0: I've talked to first ladies and future vice presidents. Children who've yet to learn to speak in full sentences. Random people walking down the street. People whose dreams are coming true right before my eyes. And people who are experiencing the worst day of their lives. It's one of the best and most complicated parts of journalism. Interviewing people. There are two important questions that make their way into most conversations I have on the job. How do I properly say your name? And if I'm trying to warm someone up, you know, get my audio levels adjusted maybe, I asked them what they had to eat for breakfast that day. Cara Flaherty got my mouth watering with her answer. I had an egg cup that I made earlier
1: huh. this week um, with like uh, rosemary ham and cheese and spinach. And then I cut it in half and put it in a Carb Manager spinach herb wrap with a little bit of more ham and cheese and wrapped it up and like took it to go.
0: <laughs> okay, that sounds awesome, yes. Normally when <laughs> I ask people about <laughs> that, yes, I don't get answers that are that good, so.
1: I like it. I work it. in a restaurant, man.
0: <laughs> She's the beverage director at Vicia and a certified sommelier, so I expected her to have good taste, but she really made sure I knew right away she enjoys tastes flavors accessible ones at that it's a real person kind of breakfast which made me feel better about the conversation we were about to have wine can be kind of intimidating
1: absolutely
0: i'm oh i like wine i like to have a glass of wine with my food and i love even more when somebody can recommend what i should have but sometimes it's a little nerve-wracking because it feels like everybody in the world knows more about wine than you do Mm this is my journey to know at least a little more about wine. On Abby Eats St. Louis, today we are sipping St. Louis. There's so much to learn about one of the world's most influential beverages. Becoming a sommelier took a bunch of studying and class time and tests, but Kara now has time to share some of it with us. The words she says you should know The rules shall let you break in the next big wine trend
1: for 2020. People aren't intimidated by vodka, you know, and there's hundreds and hundreds of different types of vodka out there, you know. But it's just, it's supposed to be fun. um, Taste everything that you
0: can. Open yourself up to new things. We'll wrap with news and the planner. Oh, and National Drink Wine Day is February 18th. When I picture you doing your job, it's you and a long table and a bunch of food and a bunch of different glasses of wine, and you're just sampling. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> what does it really look like then?
1: I wish. Um, it usually is uh, me standing up at the pass with uh, Chef Aaron, Chef Michael, and Jane, uh, Chef Jane, who is uh, she's the ones to watch on uh, sauces. She's so cute. But anyway, um, yeah, kind of all huddled around a bowl, and I've got a glass of wine in my hand and hoping that it works. Um and then letting them taste it, you know. And But, you no, know, I wish that there's a long counter. That would be delightful. But, no, it's usually <laughs> kind of a little bit more in a hurry a lot of the time. I mean, in all honesty, like, I'll get the menu ahead of time, you know, probably, like, on Saturday or Sunday. And then just kind of have to work through the library in my head of, like, flavor profiles and things of that nature. So, um, and, and order wine and hope that it works. Um, and then if it doesn't, go to the drawing board with what we have in uh, the cellar. Uh, So it's it's interesting and and
0: not so much terrifying anymore. A sommelier is essentially a wine expert. If the word sounds fancy, so are most other things about becoming a sommelier, too. The distinction is administered by, get this, the Court of Master Sommeliers. They have a four-level program that's pretty intensive. Only 172 people have earned the title of Master Sommelier since the organization was established in the U.S. more than 50 years ago. But Kara insists it doesn't take a pro to know how
1: to enjoy your drink. A good glass of wine is something that you enjoy drinking. And if that's good to you, then that's good to you. And that shouldn't be intimidating because you know yourself and what you want to drink. And, you know, but there is a lot of stigma around it because you have these, you know, collectors and and things of that nature. But I don't know. I, I don't care for that part. <laughs> I, just, I just like the, you know the the tastes and the flavors and things of that nature. So I think when you kind of break it down to that, it makes it a little bit more approachable. So, what
0: are some of the tastes and flavors? What are some of the buzzwords or vocabulary words maybe we should know to be able to describe the type of wine that we like or what it is about a certain type of wine that we like?
1: Um, I think if you, so if you like white wine, um, the two ways that are easiest to kind of get down to what you're looking for um, would probably be, you know, do you like something kind of light and refreshing? Um, Do you want something that has like floral notes to it? Do you like something that's like super, you know, citrus driven and, you know, like acid driven, you know, or do you like something that's a little bit oakier and has like some butter notes to it? So those kind of descriptors will... Definitely. I mean, everybody can kind of understand those and, mm-hmm. and direct whoever's helping you to the right class.
0: What is tannin structure?
1: Um, so, you know, when you take a sip of wine and your mouth gets kind of dried out a little, you know, like and it, um, it almost makes maybe even your teeth feel like there's chalk on them yeah. or something of that nature. That's your tannin structure. And that comes from um, skins and seeds and stems that are included huh. in with the grape. So other things that you find tannin structures in actual grape skins, like from the grocery store, you know, Um, and then, you know, some nuts, like the skins on nuts, we'll give that to you. Tea, sometimes like those drier, like darker teas, will definitely have that too.
0: A lot of good places will pour you a splash and let you check to see if you like it before filling up your glass. This, I learned, isn't the time to show off. You know, especially if you're going by the glass, that's, you know, those
1: bottles, you know, are kind of, should be chosen, because they are accessible right right out of the bottle. So you really don't need to let it open up. or There really is no wrong way. I mean, you see the people swirling the glass and sticking it up to their nose yeah. and then pulling it away and then coming back to it and then tasting it and all that stuff. And, and that's fine, um, and that's really... You don't have to do that. You know, you can literally just smell the wine, take a sip of it, and the second it hits your taste buds, be like, "Oh yeah." So when my cousin got back, I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, when my
0: cousin got back from California and started showing off and doing that about every glass of wine he drank, he didn't need to be doing that. Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Called you out, cousin. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Wine is a science. Wine is an art, and wine is geography. You've got the Old World producing countries in Europe, in the Middle East, and then the so-called New World countries in the Americas, Southern Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Old World is more traditional. New World, experimental. Old World wines will usually be named after the region where they were developed. Old World wines will also tend to be more acidic, while New Worlds are sweeter. Old World wines are more influenced by the soil, whereas New World by the grape variety. I mean, your temperatures will always have a
1: huge effect on things, so if it gets, if it's very hot and you're trying to grow something that likes to be a cool weather, like a cool weather grape, it's definitely gonna be a lot juicier, sometimes like flabbier. So you don't always get the best results, but um, I think that, you know, if you're farming correctly and you're growing like responsibly and taking into account what's going on in that area as far as soil types and weather, um, you can get some really good results.
0: If you don't want to look at a map every time you look at a wine list, it's handy to have some hard and fast rules in your back pocket instead. I think the first wine rule I learned is that if I'm having a steak, I should get something red and if I'm having chicken or fish, I should have something white. Are those still rules? Um, I mean, I guess it depends, you know, I mean,
1: those are, those are good things to stand by, but you know, rules are meant to be broken, you know, I don't, I don't like to stick to any rules, you know, I mean, ov- obviously you don't want to have like a huge, big cabernet with a really light flaky fish because it's just going to overpower it. Um, when vice versa, Pinot Grigio with a steak is not really going to, it's not going to offend your palate, but it's just going to kind of wash, uh, wash the wine out, um, but one of my favorite pairings and actually what got me into food pairing was when I was living in the Virgin Islands and we had this tuna tartare and this guest wanted our Merlot by the glass. And I was just kind of like, didn't know much about pairing, but it was also kind of like red wine with raw right. fish. Like, what are you doing? And she goes, don't knock it till you try it. And she forced me to try it. What a good customer. <laughs> and it was amazing. And I mean, it wasn't a fantastic Merlot, you know, it's like by the glass in the Virgin Islands. What are you going to get? You know, um, But it was incredible and it made the tuna just like, because that's a darker, you know, heavier fish, it just made it pop and um, made the Merlot like really nice and juicy and everything was just fantastic. So you can't always stick to the rules. restaurant t- tour here in town uh, told my husband if you have good food and you have good wine then it's going to be a good pairing so get over it <laughs> and i love that because um, it is kind of true um but yeah there's a lot of fun rules that you can follow you can do you know what grows together goes together so regional pairing so uh-huh. if like you're um eating fish like think about Like island wines, like what, you know, or coastal, you know, coastal regions, you know, so like Sicily, you know, you get some really nice light reds from Sicily that might be good with your fish. Because guess what? They eat a lot there. A lot of seafood. So, you know, they're making their wine to go with their food.
0: So apparently a map is still helpful. If my geography teacher would have warned me to pay more attention because drinks would be involved later. I feel like a couple years ago, it seemed like Moscato was having a moment and everybody wanted to have Moscato, the crazy sweet. Mm -hmm. And then Rosé is still a little bit having a moment, especially seasonally going into the summertime and things. But um, what do you think are kind of the wine trends that maybe everybody else is feeling right now or maybe that the industry is trying to push right now? Uh, Definitely like natural wines. So these are wines that are...
1: Farmed responsibly, which we love, yay. You know, like organic and biodynamic. We are at Visia. Yeah, Yeah, we are at Visia. And so these wines are, you know, really very, very minimal to no sulfur, uh, which is a natural preservative that you would use in wine to help it travel, things of that nature. Um, Very hands-off production. So it's really kind of how they drank wine before Hmm. technology and stuff kind of came into play. Uh, So those are really popular right now. The orange wines are really popular. Um, Petnat, which is kind of a natural sparkling wine, mm. um, so the bubbles aren't as um, big as you would find in a normal sparkling wine, and they're definitely kind of funky, so it kind of bridges the gap between, like, beer lovers and wine lovers. I feel like I would like that. It's, a, they're a lot of fun, um, but yeah, it's it's basically the way sparkling wine was made before, uh, like, Champagne Method and such came into play, so it's a little risky, um, you know, because advances always help things, but it is, it's a lot of fun. So I think that natural wine movement is definitely a big, big trend in the
0: industry. Um, Yeah. So did she say orange is the new rosé? I hope there's not a test on this later. White wine that's been
1: left to ferment on the skin, like a red wine, so it picks up the color and the tannin structure that the skin has to offer. And so it's kind of definitely looks like an orange color, which is really fun. But they have tannin structure so it could hold up to, you know, your heavier dishes for sure. It's very big in
0: fall to go with squashes this year. So you might not get to do an interview on wine, but you can and should ask questions at the store, at a restaurant. Cara encourages it. Just don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to ask for
1: help and and just it's just wine, so Get to know it. Don't be intimidated by it. Have fun with it. And uh, if you make a mistake, there's always another glass to be
0: poured. So don't, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Maybe just don't ask them what they had to eat for breakfast that morning. Or do. Could be fun.
2: Ooh-la-la. Ooh-la-la. Ooh-la-la.
0: I wish I had a glass of wine to offer you, Shelley, to ease your nerves of your first, um, over your first Podcast vocal debut, but welcome to the booth with... Shelly Karam, our fearless editor, is tackling a bit of a fear, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I
2: mean, a glass of wine would make me feel a little
0: (laughs) better. So producer Dory is out today, and so I said, Shelly, you know what, I've said your name enough on this podcast, and you've been listening to it for long enough that I'm going to drag you in here to be my partner in crime and partner in wine for this episode, because you're a wine drinker.
2: I am, I love wine.
0: But you are kind of in the same boat as me, where you, you love it, but you're not... Like the most knowledgeable yeah, about I it. Yeah, I just
2: know I like it.
0: What do you, what kind of wine do you typically go for?
2: I'm a dry red.
0: Okay, that's fair. I'm a dry Riesling person because Rieslings are a little
2: sweeter anyway, but then yeah, I'm dry. Not a big Riesling.
0: Really? I'm
2: weird, I know.
0: No, you're not weird. As we learned just now, then you can have whatever you like true. when it comes to wine. Well, Shelly, I'm excited to have you in here because we have a lot of things to talk about, actually, though, for the food news and the weekend planner. And we are going to get to a very special segment of the planner in which we talk about our single friends on Valentine's Day. But first, we're going to talk about some food news, including some breaking news, essentially. We're recording this on Wednesday, right before the news is able to actually officially come out on Thursday morning, that Nine Mile Garden is announcing their first lineup of food trucks. Nine Mile Garden is that food truck park that's coming. And more than just that, I mean, it's going to be a whole big event venue where they're going to have different screens for movies to be watched. And oh, like, that'd be fine. yes. And like places for you to bring the kids and the dogs and Rent it out for an event, a wedding, whatever. But of course, it's all about the food trucks. We were just talking yes. earlier about how much we love being able to stop at different ones. So, some of the highlights for the first ever lineup will be Balkan Treat Box, Farm Trucks, Soul Taco, Gorilla Street Food, Sugar Fire Sixty Four, Walk and Roll. Burgers STL, Blues Fired Pizza, Spud Shack, Honest to Goodness, Zia's on the Hill, Super Smokers, the Heavy Smoke Barbecue, Truck Norris, which always makes me smile every time <laughs> I drive past that one or stop at that one, Poptimism, and so many more. This is also going to feature some guest food trucks from across the country from time to time. And they're going to always have at least five food truck options for lunch and seven for dinner.
2: That sounds amazing. Yes. I want to go now.
0: I know. It's so exciting. Well, you have to wait for just a little bit longer. It's not opening until spring 2020 around Memorial Day, but they're always going to make sure they post their food truck lineups on their Twitter page and on social media. So it's great, I think, for the picky eater or the pick. maybe a
2: family of people with different tastes. Everybody has
0: something that 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 they can get there. What's your go-to food truck from that list, Shelly?
2: Oh, man. From that list, probably Soul Taco.
0: I'm i I'm a big fan of Soul Taco. I've shamed Dory for making me have to go to Soul Taco after I see her <laughs> eating it at work, and I have to go get some afterwards. So speaking of cravings and things that sound delicious, how about Ted Drew's? The wait is over because... Ted Drew's on Chippewa is now back open. It is the one of two locations, of course. The one on Grand is going to stay closed until May. But Ted Drew's always closes in January until right before Valentine's Day. So they make sure they open back up in time for that. So, Shelly, you're not a St. Louis native. I am not. But how quickly did someone say, oh, my gosh, welcome to St. Louis. You have to go to Ted Drew's.
2: So when I came here for uh, my first trip here, yeah. Uh, That was, I believe, the second stop we made. Yes. After lunch, we went to Ted Drew's for dessert. And first off, what'd you think about it? I loved it. I mean, it's an ice cream custard. I mean, how could you go wrong? Right,
0: exactly. It's kind of a classic. It's one of those things that we love because we love, you know, it's it's awesome. And remind everybody where you're from originally.
2: I'm from Houston, Texas.
0: Okay, so how do you feel about all those um, barbecue food trucks? How do you feel about having a barbecue on a truck like that?
2: I mean, I'm not going to lie, I haven't tried the barbecue food trucks mm-hmm. here. That's okay. So maybe, but I am kind of new to the city in general, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe this spring I'll try it out. I would encourage that. Okay, so I'm interested,
0: too, to talk a little bit more about your opinions on the next topic. It's Girl Scout cookie booth season. So you might have already encountered some co-workers bringing in their daughter's Girl Scout cookie order oh, yes. form. Hopefully you're lucky and you get to actually encounter a young girl learning to like refining her business savvy and actually having to do the sale. But right. I feel like a lot of times these days, it's just people bringing in their kids order forms and you fill it out and you do fill it out because you want some Girl Scout cookies. But now you're going to start seeing some more and more of those booths popping up around the area. It's for the last four weeks of the like Girl Scout cookie season. And essentially that's where you can stop in and just pick some up and get them right away. Perfect. My go to is probably Thin Mints, Samoas, and my favorite are the S'mores variety of Girl Scout cookie, which is never. Yeah, which is weird. Food. I know it's weird because they're I only a couple years of old. <laughs> you got to try them, people, but not if you go to the same booths that I'm planning on going to because gonna like, I, all they're going to buy all out. out. Yes, <laughs> I looked at the form of um, one of our coworkers. I will not name her, but she brought her daughter's form in. And I I think I was the only person ordering the s'mores kind, but they're my favorite. Meanwhile, everyone's ordering Thin Mints
2: except you, Shelly? That's right. I hate Thin Mints. That's weird. I think they taste like toothpaste wrapped in chocolate. Okay, that's weird, but also makes a lot of sense.
0: When you say that, I have heard that from people more and more lately, is that they have to have, or they at least have to have them frozen or something like that to be okay. My boyfriend
2: keeps his in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he thinks I'm the strangest person ever because I don't like them. Yeah. I I mean, he knows I will never eat his cookies. There you go. See? I was like, they're always yours. It's a win-win. And... See, I like them because, you know, you have fresh breath afterward. I don't know. (laughs) I love Girl
0: Scout cookie anything, though. I mean, I love this time of year, too, because people have different varieties of Girl Scout cookie, like baked goods that they make. They'll use the cookies themselves as an ingredient or inspiration. And it's pretty fun. I like it. I'm very team. Any Girl Scout cookie you hand me, I'm a big fan of it.
2: I love the Samoas. Those are my favorite. Yes.
0: So Something that we want to give a quick update on is about the sports and social um, kind of bar... I guess you'd call it a bar, but it's basically they want to call it a concept, according to everything we're reading. So this is the new place in Ballpark Village that's going to be opening ahead of opening day. And if you think about places like Westport Social um, in Maryland Heights or Recess in the Grove, it's similar to that where it's essentially just a big, like, leisure hall where you can grab some drinks and have some fun. We're learning a little bit more about it. They're calling themselves, a, as I mentioned, a concept, but not just a concept, a powerhouse concept concepts with dining, sports, viewing, and entertainment. It's going to be opening at the end of March. Turns out the space is going to be 9,000 square feet. The food will have a Tex-Mex flair. So a little bit of Texas. They'll have some shareable drinks. So like I'm thinking big bucket drinks or the fishbowl type of things. Okay, I wasn't
2: sure if the shareables meant food.
0: They will have some shareable food too, but this also includes drinks. And we mentioned things like duck pin bowling. They'll also have some live music. And this is just in case you might be thinking i feel like i've been to one of those before they do have several locations in atlanta detroit and dallas and it does look pretty cool hopefully they draw a decent crowd in the ballpark village area i need to check that out
2: I'll, I'll let it's you good that know. it's downtown I'll, I'll let you guys know if the tex-mex is true tex-mex
0: Ooh, are you a tex-mex snob or are you just a tex-mex fan Or a combination of both?
2: I think living there, I've become such a big fan. Like, that's just what you have. But Uh I definitely know what's good and what's bad.
0: Okay, so maybe in Texas, you're just a fan. But here in St. Louis, you you know what's up. I'll
2: be able to tell you what's bad.
0: I like that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm a big Tex-Mex fan, just casually. I'm like, if you put guacamole there and make anything a little spicy, I'm a fan. And speaking of fans, I've heard from a lot of football fans in the past week because the Battle Hawks, the St. Louis's new XFL team, won their first game and they've now inspired their first food special. Sugar Fire Wing Haven, over by where you live, Shelly, yeah. offered an STL Battle Hawks brisket. It had smoked brisket, provolone cheese, shredded lettuce, tomatoes, beer-battered onion rings, house bacon, and white barbecue sauce on a toasted bun.
2: I'm just excited to see what else people come up with with the cacao everywhere. That probably sounds horrible. Sandwich. I know. My only thing is, and my boyfriend gives me another hard time about this, is I don't like bacon. You know, so I'd have to get the bacon off.
0: Yeah, I. I'm conflicted about bacon sometimes, but I will say it sounds really good on this with smoked brisket and all that cheese. And onion rings. Oh, I'm game for everything else on there. There you go. Well, that's okay. More bacon for everybody else, right? Exactly. Um. So I think you need a more food supportive boyfriend, by the way. <laughs> so maybe you can have him take you to this next place, which is Annie Guns. So they if. The longtime St. Louis food staple. It's actually named one of the most romantic restaurants in America by Open Table. So they have a list every year of the 100 most romantic restaurants. And Annie Guns made it with over 3,000 reviews on Open Table and a 4.9 star out of 5 star rating. Wow. I have never been there before. It is delicious. It's definitely, it's a St. Louis, like, food restaurant staple. Um, Also, fun fact, uh, Illinois, over on the Illinois side, you guys have the highest number of romantic restaurants in the country, but they are mostly in the Chicago area.
2: That was where I was before I came here. Really? In Chicago. I didn't know that. Yes. I didn't know that.
0: I have a lot of friends and family in Chicago. So hopefully they're all having nice romantic (laughs) meals this weekend.
2: Shelly, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? Oh my goodness. We talked about this before, and all I can think of. I tried to warn you. (laughs) You listen
0: every week, you know it's coming. I know.
2: And the only thing I can think of is I had made some Southwest stuffed peppers. Ooh, that it sounds really good.
0: good so
2: we've also given shout outs
0: to Shelly on the podcast before because she's one heck of a baker. I you do you like to bake? Bake wonderful things. And so you're a cook too. Yes. Awesome. Well,
2: I did make, although I think it was last week, I made uh, vanilla wafers for the first time.
0: Home, I, like homemade, homemade, homemade vanilla wafers.
2: wafers. I didn't bring them in because my boyfriend ate them all. That Okay, so maybe he is a pretty –
0: he's probably just a different type of supportive food boyfriend. That sounds amazing. (laughs) I'm imagining that with like – in like a milkshake with like – banana. Like totally could. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, I went somewhere for my best thing I had to eat because, you know, that's what you do. Um, And so Dory gave a shout-out to Egg recently. I think it was maybe even last week on the podcast because she – went to egg for her first brunch with her new schedule. I got I went to egg in Midtown uh the, oh, over nice. the weekend and I got the sopas with carne asada and that was delicious. It was really nice. I will say I think they're kind of working on their staffing situation at that new mid, uh, Midtown location. It was weird cuz none of the wait staff looked like wait staff. Oh. So it was hard to tell like who was working there and it took a little bit to get breakfast, which is tough on a weekend sometimes, but the food was just as good as it is over in the Benton Park location. So that was pretty good. And I also went – I think I'm going to give a bonus shout-out to the best thing I had to drink this week was at First Fridays over in Grand Center. I went over to the Museum of Modern Art – and, or I'm sorry, um, Contemporary Art and got a French 75 and got to see some music – for or listen to some music and see some art for free on a Friday night. It's a good way to spend your weekend. So next time the First Fridays come around, I recommend them. But – this weekend, Friday, is Valentine's Day. Are you a Valentine's Day believer? I'm not.
2: Yeah. It's,
0: I know. I feel like it's one of those things that's almost like what – I don't I know really know people who are into Valentine's Day anymore, except maybe little kids who get to, like, do cards <laughs> right. and stickers and candy right. and stuff. You
2: and Dory talked about it last week for a hot second, but, like, I thought Valentine's Day for the longest time was on the 12th. <laughs> like, I would always be like, oh, it's February 12th, right? Nope. <laughs> I always remember it because
0: my sister, I, both of my sister's birthdays are this week and then one of them is right before Valentine's Day. So if you happen to be single this Valentine's Day, we don't want to leave you out and Let's gonna, we're going to run through a couple of the events happening around the St. Louis area that can still get you out and about. You can have some fun on a Friday night without being having Valentine's Day and your singleness being shoved down your throat. How about that? So the Meet Cute event, which I love that name, Meet Cute, it's the singles happy hour at the last hotel downtown. They want you to mix and mingle with other singles, say that 10 times fast, over on their last rooftop, which I recommend stopping by if you've never been to the last hotel's rooftop I know it's February, but it's enclosed, and it's a nice little spot. It's got a cool view, and you can enjoy some Valentine's Day food specials as well from The Last Kitchen, which is some pretty tasty food you can get there. Brennan's, one of my favorites, is having their Forever Alone party And they're very tongue-in-cheek, as per usual, with their description. They say, let's be alone together. On Valentine's Day, they're throwing a big party in the Maryland House section of Brennan's, so that's upstairs. They'll have champagne cocktails, a dessert bar, a bunch of Russell Stover chocolate heart boxes, and the best breakup ballads from some DJ. They'll figure out whichever (laughs) DJ they want, but they're going to be playing breakup ballads. They say couples are welcome to this, but you got to act like you just met. And then I also like this name, Valentine's Day Sucks, Let's Drink. That's over at Alpha Brewing Company. They say it's that time of year again for you to be painfully aware of your singleness, but they're going to help you ease the pain by putting out two new draft-only beers on Valentine's Day, their Mango I Do Brew. And their raspberry coffee milk stout. They say you can drown your sorrows in the sweet taste of chocolate covered raspberries and coffee. That sounds awesome. I also really like this, though. They say if you're hungry, you can swallow your sadness with a shrimp cocktail for one because you deserve it and you don't have to share it with anybody. I like that. There you go. It's Valentine's Day being on a Friday this year, I think we're, a lot of people are gonna wanna go out. But yes, these are fun events that make it so that you don't have to be all coupled up on that Friday. Other weekend events, though, that are happening all weekend long is the St. Louis Food and Wine um, event presented by Schnucks, and it's actually going to be at Union Station this year. There will have hundreds of wine and craft beer samples to taste. They'll have food everywhere. They call it the Camp Miss Event of the Year because especially it benefits the Repertory Theater of St. Louis. Um, it's actually the largest international food and wine show in the Midwest. Tickets are required. It's 50 bucks, and you have to be 21 and up to go to that. But another food tasting event that's a little bit uh, rowdier is happening this weekend. Taste of Soulard. It's many Cajun flavors that Soulard has to offer because of all the French flair and the Mardi Gras flair in Soulard. It's basically a self-guided tasting and pub crawl. You can bop around to the different places and all the different restaurants that are participating there each purchase includes one drink voucher and six food vouchers any of those participating restaurants in soulard and then on saturday they're going to have the soulard trolley trams shuttling people throughout the neighborhood so that's pretty good you can buy passes just at any of those restaurants um and it's 25
2: bucks this is all throughout soulard Have you ever been to Taste of Soulard? I haven't. That sounds like a lot of fun, though. It it is really
0: fun. It's a fun little event because it's so self-guided, too, and you still get to just kind of go around. And then on Saturday, we want to give a special shout-out to Well Spent Brewing Company after their little hiatus, having to close down, do some reconfiguring of their business They are back open, and we love to see someone reopening again. So they're going to celebrate that by having um, a few of their 10 beers on draft, tamales from the Tamale Man, big fan, and then you can even take home the the bottles and crawlers you've been missing because they are back. Welcome back, well-spent.
2: That sounds awesome. I, I definitely want to try some tamales.
0: I love tamales. Tamales and beer, man. What, does it get any better than that? Not really. I love it. Do
2: you have any fun plans this weekend, Shelley? Hanging out with some friends and just cooking and drinking then. That is awesome everything a good weekend
0: needs. Some friends, some cooking, and some drinking.
2: Shelly, I appreciate you being on the podcast here
0: with me, giving me someone to talk to so I'm not in a booth by myself. Anything for you, Abby. Oh, I appreciate it. You're still having to edit this after, by the way. Oh, man. <laughs> Abby Eat St. Louis, as you all know, is a Five on Your Side production. I am Abby Larico, And I'm Shelly Karam. Producer is Dory Almost. Our theme music is by Jérôme Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. We want to have some special thanks shout outs here uh, to Drizzly for some of our additional wine tips and to Pam Schlichter for helping coordinate the interview and doing all the heavy lifting with that make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of them we want to make sure we just show up in your feed like magic every single week leave us a rating and review please and thank you we love to hear from you all on our Instagram at Abby St. Louis tag us in whatever you wind up doing this weekend and Send me your favorite new wine tip that you learned. Or then send me a picture of the wine that you're trying that you maybe wouldn't have tried normally but your waiter recommended it. Or send me a picture of your dog. That's always fun too. Until then, seize the plate.
2: Ooh la la.